This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, we'll be joined by Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers to talk about the amazing changes in the world of dentistry that are making getting your smile back a much easier mission to accomplish. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Hyundai and Kia are the latest automakers to announce plans to offer solar panel roofs on their cars. The Korean firms on Wednesday said solar roofs, some with a translucent design, will start being made available next year from 2019 without mentioning any specific markets or vehicles. Audi has already announced plans to offer solar roofs a year ago. Now, Hyundai and Kia said the solar roofs will be used to charge vehicle batteries and will initially be fitted to hybrids. And even some cars with conventional powertrains in those cars, the generated power will be used to power the air conditioner or seat heaters, thus saving that little bit of extra energy to improve the overall efficiency. The semi-transparent solar panels are applied to a panoramic sunroof, allowing the roof to generate energy while still letting light into the cabin. And here's a completely different story from Korea this week. South Korea, along with Japan, have told their citizens this week to avoid consuming cannabis during vacation visits to Canada. Quote, even in a place where marijuana is legalized, if our citizens smoke, purchase, possess, or deliver marijuana, it's a criminal act, so they will be punished, said the South Korean embassy in Canada. Please be careful, they added. Oh, and here's the official party line from Japan. Quote, Japanese residents and travelers should take ample care to stay away from marijuana, including food and beverages that include marijuana. Close quote. Neither country had anything to say when asked exactly how they might enforce these warnings, but both countries have very strict drug laws. Pot smoking or purchasing, for example, in South Korea, five years and 40,000 buck fine. China, by the way, also jumped on the bandwagon and issued a similar warning to its citizens this week traveling to Canada, but they stopped short of the harsh penalty stuff, instead opting to warn Chinese citizens about dangers to physical and mental health. Talk about creating forbidden fruit. Now, here's a story uh, about, uh, well, not about high-priced real estate, but it does deal with the element of risk we all assume when we move to Metro Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, and this includes Vancouver Island, for that matter, and that's earthquakes and other seismic activity. The U.S. Geological Survey has just released its first national volcanic threat assessment since 2005, and you guessed it. Turns out we live in a hot zone. Actually, it's the next-door neighbors in Washington State hot zone, but it's not ours. But if you can recall the after-effects of Mount St. Helens when it blew back in 1980, then you know how close we do live to volcanic fallout. Not surprisingly, Mount St. Helens is number two on the high-risk rankings, with Seattle's Mount Rainier number three, right behind it. Now, before you get too smug, you should know the much closer to us Mount Baker is ranked 14th in that 
that same high-risk category. No word about any of these mountains erupting anytime soon, but the assessment comes after studying active volcanoes and the urban areas nearby. Nothing has been updated for 13 years, so new information was needed. We had a real uptick in earthquakes recently, activity particularly on the west coast of Vancouver Island. A few dish rattlers laced the uh, 4.5 and 4.6 earthquakes off the west coast, off to Fino, just as a matter of a couple of days ago. Last hour, we told you about the BC Ale Trail Festival tonight at the Richmond Olympic Oval. And this time, well, it's a slightly more traditional event to tell you about. The fifth annual Vancouver Tea Festival is on today and again tomorrow at the Chinese Cultural Center on Pender Street and the Dr. Sun Yat-sen Garden and hosted by the Vancouver Tea Society. Didn't know we had one, but now you do. There will be lots of exhibits including tea spirits, a tea tasting bar, and a matcha bar. It's on until 5 today and runs from 11 to 4 tomorrow. Tickets and more info at vancouverteafestival.ca. Hey, on a stinker of a weather weekend, you look for stuff like this to do indoors, and this sounds like a lot of fun. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more later in the hour. Up next, the world-class dentist from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers return to talk about the amazing changes going on in their world, all of which are designed to help you get your smile back. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're with CKNW. And welcome back to the program. It's a soggy 12-degree Saturday afternoon with a weather, a rainfall warning back with us in Vancouver. Great day to be inside listening to the radio and a great opportunity for me to welcome back two of our good friends here at Vancouver Consumer, Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers in uh, Coquitlam and Vancouver. Dr. Ron, Dr. Faraj, good to see you, fellas. Great to good be to back you, with sir. you. Well, it's, mm-hmm. good. it's been a while. Now, uh, we had Dr. Bobby Birdie join us a couple of weeks ago, and he re- Galed us with some of his travel tales. Uh, you people, I keep referring to you uh, quite publicly as the world-class dentist from BC Perio <laughs> because you're very active. Not only do you provide top-notch, world-class service to your client groups in Vancouver and Coquitlam and people who come here from all over the world to be worked on, but also you travel a lot. Now, Faraj, you're involved in something called digital dentistry in Dubai. You've been over there once. You're going back again soon. Is this? Tell us about digital dentistry. It sounds fascinating. It's very exciting. Digital dentistry is pretty much just all the modern technology that's now taking place in dentistry, which is allowing us as dental professionals to do things in a much more predictable way, be able to communicate a lot better with our patients. So as a part of the Digital Dentistry Institute, which is one of the leading in- institutes in the dental profession when it comes to dental um, Education. Okay. We're going over to Dubai to conduct the first digital dentistry courses. So it's really exciting because it'll be the first of its kind in the region, and we'll be sharing all of this great technology with everyone there and explaining to them how it can actually enhance our profession as a whole. Interesting. Now, uh, Dr. Ron, you've been to the Middle East. You were, you were, I remember, presenting at a conference in Tehran, in Iran, a year or so ago. Is that part of the world still kind of catching up technologically to where we are in North America? Well, I, I, I think I, I'd probably say that their knowledge base is already pretty strong, 
And uh, while they may not qualify as dentists without doing examinations or going back to school in North America, their foundation is very, very solid. I was incredibly impressed to see the the quality of the skill sets and knowledge base for the practitioners in Iran, in Tehran specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I I lectured there. I, I lectured on a cruise. I just a pleasure to be on a cruise ship and lectured to the dentists on a cruise ship. But we were just coming out of Dubai, headed around India, cruise there, gave a lecture at that program. Then as we got out of Phuket, headed for Singapore, having gone around India, I lectured again for a group of dentists and just before we got into Singapore. So this, this takes me all over the place. I think this coming March, I'm in the Caribbean doing the same thing. And then following March after that, I'm in French Polynesia oh, doing the same bad. thing. I believe that's referred to in your profession as payback time. <laughs> 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 now, Dr. Edder, uh, I want to go back to this digital dentistry thing. And what I see in my mind's eye, I'm looking at the way some surgeries are performed. Now, I'm talking cardiac or you know, uh, 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 physical surgeries where uh, a surgeon in one city will be able to watch a procedure being performed in another city and and either advise uh, as the procedure is going on or indeed robotically uh, conduct the procedure from a distance. Is that what digital dentistry is? Is that where you're headed with this too? Pretty close. That's that's digital technology. That's its applications in the medical world and we've got our applications in the dental world. We don't quite have dentists performing surgeries robotically from a different country. Right. But we most certainly have moved into robotics in dentistry, and uh, there is robotic assistant implant placement, which exists now. So it's quite a vast field, which is just rapidly expanding and improving. And every month, you just see something new and, uh, and look at all these technologies that are just allowing us to do things we never thought were possible. Yeah, and, and Brian, I, I wanted to just I keep referring to uh, we're going to have our friends from BC Perio uh, join us and talk about the amazing changes in the fast-moving world of dentistry. And I, I was reading this aloud at home, kind of getting thing, getting my tongue around some of the phrases, and uh, someone came down the hall and said, the fast-moving world of dentistry? Come <laughs> on. But it is. This is the part that I don't think a lot of people... If you, if you keep your teeth in 100% fantastic shape and you get a dental check once a year, you don't see much. But if you're a, a patient with needs, boy, there's a lot going on. There's an awful lot going on. And in fact, to add to what Dr. Edhurst just talked about in robotic dentistry, one of our partners at the Digital Dentistry Institute out of Orlando, Dr. Rowal, is the single and only certified dentist in robotic-assisted dental surgery. And he's one of our partners at DDI. Interesting and stuff. So we collaborate. And all of us put on these programs all over the world on a regular basis. I think next year we have something like 82 three-day programs throughout the world uh, so far and counting. It's growing. Amazing. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. And, and what, what, not that uh, you're not busy enough here on the home front, Dr. Redder, uh, doing the kind of work you do. Tell us about the kind of work that you do because you, you're a specialist. Tell us about your specialty and specifically what you do for people. I'm a prosthodontist, and what that means is I specialize in all the restorative prosthetic stuff that goes into dentistry, whether that's aesthetic, cosmetic work, whether that's reconstructive work to give people back function, give them back oral health. Um, it's a it's a broad field where our main priority is to 
restore people's smiles. Okay. Yeah, the old getcha. It says right here on the on the masthead of the website, we are dedicated to making you smile. And that's, I mean, really, I mean, you, you probably, you do a lot of traveling, you have a lot of fun, and I'm sure you're well paid. But in terms of job satisfaction, Farage, that really must count to you. The ability, course, yeah. the ability to, to go through a work on someone and take them from, from A all the way through to Z. And at the end of the day, just that beatific smile that, oh, my gosh, it's me again. That's pretty remarkable stuff. There's so many aspects to dentistry that are rewarding, but that's by far the most rewarding. It's the feeling of giving back to someone or seeing someone's life transform because that's what a lot of people don't really understand. It's that it's not just teeth that we're dealing with. It's it's a human being, an overall human being, right? Sure. And that has an impact on confidence. It has an impact on a person's social life, career, family life. There's so many aspects of a person's life that's transformed when they get the confidence back of having a healthy smile that they're happy to show. It, it, even, it even changes people's personality. And it's quite amazing to see um, when, we, when we get our patients back and see how their life is transformed, their personality is transformed, and they're just happier than they've ever been. Right. And I suppose, and the other end of that, where the, where the pendulum started swinging from in the first place, that patient originally came into your office a pretty, I don't want to say miserable, but unhappy person who hasn't been really forthcoming in terms of their smile and the way they present themselves to the world, Dr. Ron, for quite some time. And in many cases, I guess some people come in almost wincing in advance because, oh, I haven't really taken very good care of things and I've kind of let things slide a whole bunch and, boy, am I going to get chewed out. <laughs> and that that doesn't happen, does it? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, we just I recently I treated a person who came in from Nova Scotia for an all-on-four procedure. He is in his uh, late 50s, has had dentures since he was 18 years old, has not had corn on the cob or an apple for 40 years. Oh, my. And we, we gave him implants, sported teeth, and now he's eating co- corn on the cob, off the cob, and he's eating an apple, which he loves, absolutely loves, and hasn't been able to do for 40 years. You can only imagine how appreciative and how happy he is about the change in his life. And those excellent Annapolis Valley apples are something <laughs> else, too. So tell us a little bit about When Dr. Birdie was here a couple of weeks ago, gentlemen, he talk, He surprised me because, uh, you know, it's all about dental health and implant center. And a lot of, a lot of our conversation has been about implants and the, the techniques and the technology involved. But Dr. Birdie said, you know, uh, a, a considerable amount of our business is still dentures. And in fact, we are retooling, so to speak, the business to accommodate even more of that because we can do so much of it right here in-house. Well, right now, this is, this is where digital dentistry is actually impacting very significantly dentures. Because instead of taking these gooey impressions of uh, jaws That's up That's a messy jaw, bit of business. We digitize them. We, we scan them into a... So there's none of that stuff. And these are made faster and more accurately and easier for the patient than ever before. Okay. And uh, is it's, and again, Dr. Birdie said it's still uh, almost a 50-50 coin toss in terms of uh, preferences by people who come in. And I, I would suppose, Farage, to some extent, economics uh, uh, apply because one would think dentures would be less expensive than implants. Is that the case? Yeah, and it'll, it'll, it depends on a lot of different factors as well. So dentures can be used in 
in addition to implants, or implants can be used to support dentures. That's also a possibility. So those two worlds aren't necessarily separate, but they can overlap in a lot of ways. Now, you see, I've always thought of it in terms of one or the other, Dr. Ron, but that's not the case. Yes, dentures can be soft, uh, soft tissue supported, which is the conventional denture that everybody understands, and or they can be, as Dr. Edder properly pointed out, can be supported by implants, which give people solid teeth relatively inexpensively compared to the crown and bridge that can be done on implants as well. And especially if somebody has a massive amount of bone loss, uh, we can put in four to six implants in even somebody who's got a majority of their bone gone and missing and build a complete fixed set of teeth for them even though all that bone's been gone for quite a few years. And, and uh, Dr. Redder, that uh, that bone loss is part of the package that comes with uh, dentures. Uh, uh, over time, it's inevitable, isn't it? It's a part of the package of losing your teeth. Yeah. So once you lose your teeth and then the bone in that area isn't being um, used the way it used to be with teeth in there, it starts to resorb. Now, if you've got a denture on there that's also impacting the gums and impacting the bone and every time you chew that contributes to that bone loss progressing faster than it normally would oh is that right because you would think with the activity i know it's pressure but still there's there's some something going on rather than nothing so but it's the pressure that it's a negative not a positive well if you think about what really happens is that when you put pressure on the gum tissue it presses against the bone structure and it kind of damages the gum tissue internally next to the bone ever so slightly that creates an inflammatory condition which causes the bone loss and the more pressure you put on so people who are indentures who have very very high biting forces will tend to lose their bone faster so the sooner you can get that pressure off the gum tissue the more likely you are to avoid any significant bone loss once you get implants in though it retains the bone. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, how frequently, Dr. Ryder, if let's suppose you're, a, you're talking about a, a denture wearer, uh, they do because you, ta- you just described the inevitability of bone loss. So how frequently does one need to replace one's dentures? Because they're going to start not fitting quite so well over time, aren't they? Yeah, and that's that's a little more complicated than than a simple answer. It depends first and foremost on when they lost the teeth. So if someone's just lost their teeth and has a denture, they're much more likely to need a replacement sooner than later. Okay. Just because that initial change that's going to occur takes place during that first year or two years. Um, the let's say the progress of that change or the speed of that change significantly reduces over time. So the second set of dentures might last a lot longer without needing adjustments or remaking Okay. in compared to the first one. And uh, But the, the average, I would say, is probably every five years okay. when, when dentures start to That's wear down. That's a good sort of benchmark. To, yeah. to, if it's, well, it's been five years. And uh, what do you do? You just go in and say, uh, do they still fit properly? I mean, you could probably feel it, but a pro can tell you uh, in, in a very quick amount of time uh, whether you're on or not. Right? Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Let's take a break for the news. Let's open up the phone lines, too. 604-280-9898. Our guests, Dr. Ron Zokel and Dr. Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers, here to take your calls and talk about the fast-moving world of dentistry. More after the news. 
Welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox on Vancouver Consumer, joined by doctors Ron Sokol and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers at 777 West Broadway in Vancouver and 1175 Johnson Street in Coquitlam. Uh, we, we've been talking about uh, of all the, the innovations, the technology that's involved in the world of dentistry. And one of the things that you've taken upon yourselves at BC Perio, uh, both offices using the same central menu manufacturing point but we've we've talked about this a little bit in the past dr ron but elaborate a little you've hired a guy named angus berry to literally manufacture anything that you put in people's mouths be it dentures or implants or combinations thereof right there in-house no farming out no subcontracting it's all done right there that's absolutely true and uh angus berry has been a wonderful addition to our team at bc perio and to that point of digital dentistry and the facility that this new technology provides, not only for the dentist, but the patients as well, we are able to accomplish an awful lot without going outside of the facility, which means we have far better control. We have far better interaction between the laboratory and the doctors involved. Well, sure. It's just down the hall. Oh, spectacular. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Redder, talk to us a little bit about options, because for most of us, myself included, the, and the Dr. Ron just threw a bit of a curveball here. If few minutes ago talking about the combination perhaps of dentures and implants but most people go when they go when they know there's some major work needed they're going okay it's going to be implants or it's going to be dentures but you have a lot of time uh, in your practice sitting down with patients and going well no there might be other possibilities discuss some of those options absolutely the that's what we spend a lot of time on. It's making sure that people are aware of what their options are because that's really the only way to make an informed decision, right? And like you said, a lot of people think that they're limited to one of two things, either plates or full set of implants sure. and, and something like that. There's there's multiple combinations where these things can be used together in order to provide dentures that are retained and assisted by implants, um, which are a lot more stable, a lot more comfortable than just dentures on their own. And then there's options of utilizing uh, more implants and, and, and restoring them in a way where we provide people with fixed teeth. And the same applies for someone who's just missing one tooth. Right, right. Because right. if you're missing one tooth, you have the option of restoring that with a bridge, you have the option of restoring that with an implant, or you have the option of restoring that with um, a partial denture, for example. Right. So there's always different options available, and there's so many factors that we take into account when discussing these options with our patients in order to make sure they make the best decision for them. Interesting. Dr. Ron, uh, you know, again, I'm thinking in terms of someone who comes in who needs kind of an overhaul. But I guess a lot of people come to you having lost a tooth in a football game or uh, a a minor, what, what is seen as a minor thing. But they're missing a front tooth, and that's not minor in that person's <laughs> life, but it's only one tooth. That happens fairly regularly, right? It's probably one of the most common things that we will see. And we have a lot of doctors who will refer to us because one of their patients had a tooth fracture off because of an injury, a traumatic injury, or whatever. It might even be disease. And they'll send us the case and so they can rebuild bone structure if necessary or put an implant in and a tooth on it immediately the same day. Okay. And then send them back to that doctor for the final crown because a lot of the doctors do that type of work. And so we collaborate with other doctors as well as providing service, complete service to patients. Interesting stuff. 604-280-9898. We did open up the phone lines. Delighted to see some of you have joined us. Let's go to White Rock. Marianne, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Go ahead, please. 
I'd like to ask about implants. Yes. What would you like um, to know? I'd like to know how many implants you can have. Oh, a great question. Uh, lot depends on how many natural teeth you still have in your jaw. And if you have no teeth, you can have anywhere on the lower jaw, you can have work done on two implants. If it's an upper jaw, you can have work done on a, a minimum jaw, four. And I've lost all the upper jaw. Okay, then you're going to need at least four. Usually five or six will provide you with a full set of solid teeth. We call that process an all-on-four. And uh, depending on how much you care to invest in it, you can actually rebuild bone structure. You can put an implant in per missing tooth, which is in this case 16, which is not suggesting yes. you do that, but it's a very expensive process and very time-consuming process to do properly. Uh, but if you choose not to do that, which most people do not, they choose to go to an all-on-four and uh, we'll put four to six implants. By the way, the all-on-four concept is a, is a concept. We put in anywhere from four to six implants. It doesn't matter if it's four or six or five. The fee is still the same. And we provide mm-hmm. you with solid teeth. The day you come in and have the implants, and we give you absolutely solid teeth to walk out with. And, uh, On get, the same day? Mm-hmm. The same day. Yep. Who am I speaking to? Uh, you're speaking with Dr. Ron Zokel, Marianne. And okay. I, I find that in, in, in one day, I, I, Marianne expresses the same incredulity that I do <laughs> to, when, when it comes to Because it's an amazing process that, that you can get all that done in, in the one day. Sterling, we have dentists who have the same response. <laughs> well, it, it just doesn't seem possible. And I, and I know I keep harping on this, but doesn't it hurt like blue bloody blazes? No, that's the thing. It does not. And, and most patients that we see rarely have discomfort after this. They come out of their freezing after the surgery. Wow. It's unusual. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch, actually. I'll bet it is. Back to the phones. We're in Burnaby. Art, hello to you, sir. Yes, hi there. I'm uh, 76 years old now. I've had uh, dental teeth since, uh, partial dentals, since 72, 74. And uh, I've run into a situation here where... Uh, I basically uh, am out of money, and my wife just had a stroke. And I'm wondering if the doctor uh, had an idea where a fella could go. I've tried medical. I've tried everything there is you can do to try to get money, to get in, to get my teeth uh, adjusted, fixed, or whatever you see proper to do. And is there any answer to that? And I'm sure there's lots of other people in the same situation. All right. Uh, now they're, they're looking at each other. <laughs> um, one thing. One thing you might want to consider is um, is the university, because w- the University of British Columbia does provide these dental services at a reduced cost. Um, it does take a little bit more time than the procedures that we do, for example, in our office. But that that is that that might be something worth looking into. Have you checked that out, Art, at all? No, well, I haven't. That, that'd and, be, I, and I didn't mean I wanted these guys to do it for nothing. No, 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 I mean, no. That no. would be nice, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I just I kind of had to try and find an answer because every dentist uh, that I I phone, I mean, everything's so sky high, and yep. I just I haven't got it. That's all there is to it. Well, it's it's an interesting question, and and my mind sort of went there as well. If you don't mind putting up with, as Doctor Edder says, a, a slightly longer process because it's a teaching uh, environment. So you are yes. you are the guinea pig, and, and so all of these people are going to be watching as the procedure gets unraveled, Doctor Ron. But it might be uh, the the a good place to approach 
approach, at least, find out what you're up against. Uh, There's no question. I think that's an absolutely valid approach to take. And I would point out that while implants uh, are an ideal way to treat this area, sometimes it's just not practical because of costs. Right. So that's where the full denture comes in. That's gum-supported denture as opposed to implant-supported denture. Right. And you've talked to us a little bit about this in the past. And explain it again, if you could. It's It's the business of how a denture fits. Because you talked about the goop and the plate that they put in your mouth and you, then it gets sent off to somewhere and you come back a few days later and there's the thing. And you put it in your mouth and it kind of fits. But it may not fit perfectly. And so sometimes the dentist is able to do a little trimming with the drill and, oh, that's much better. But that, and Dr. Redder said this, this is going to have a five-year shelf life max before it's not going to fit anyway. But when you make them, in your own lab, just down the hall from where your room is, they're going to fit a whole lot better. And if they don't, they're going to go right back down the hall until they do. <laughs> right? There's truth to that. And the point that Dr. Edder made earlier as to timing is if you're taking teeth out and delivering a denture at that time, uh, there are going to be tissue changes that are going to happen rapidly. So the denture will likely have to be relined pretty quickly or remade, either one. And uh, the longer that you've been without the teeth and the tissues have stabilized and healed, the longer the denture will be available and act, uh, actually fit more accurately for a longer period of time. Oh, of course. So the better the fit up front, the, the, light, the more likely, Dr. Edder, that it's going to fit for a longer period of time. Yeah. It, and the other thing is um, we now, so there's the conventional complete dentures that people are used to. Right. And then there's the digital dentures, which we're, we've now been working with. And uh, one of the huge advantages of these digital dentures is that if five, six, seven, ten years, however long it takes, and, and you said are needed, it significantly reduces the amount of work that's required in order to make those new dentures. Oh, because that's everything's a, on file. Exactly. It's all it's on the computer. Right. Whereas... Uh, Five years ago, to make new dentures, you'd have to go through every single step all over again in order to make a new set of dentures. Now, here's a curveball for me, for you two, uh, and this is only because, again, the landscape has changed since we last talked, especially the three of us. Uh, British Columbia and Canada now have legalized cannabis to deal with. How does uh, that, if at all, present in terms of dental problems, Dr. Redder? What do you know about pot and its uh, ensuing, if any, dental issues? So with any sort of smoking or vaping or anything like that, it leads to, to some extent, dry mouth. Now, that the dryness of the mouth is exaggerated when it comes to marijuana. And that's something that um, people need to be aware of because a dry mouth uh, plays a role in increasing the risk of decay, uh, certain types of gum disease. So... It's, it's not necessarily the cannabis itself that's a risk. It's more the effects that the cannabis has on the oral environment. So dry mouth being one. The second being that uh, marijuana actually burns at a higher temperature than tobacco. Oh. And that increases the chance of heat-related uh, problems or heat damage to the soft tissue, the tongue, the gums, the roof of the mouth, and so on. So those are two factors to consider when... When, when getting into that world. And there would be a cosmetic angle to it all, too, wouldn't there, Dr. Ron, with just staining? There, you get that yellowy, tobacco-y kind of, if it's smoke, there's, it's going to stain, it, right? It might well, and to be truthful, I haven't treated that many people who express well, the history of taking marijuana. Well, it's only been legal for a couple of weeks. <laughs> but I'm just, you obviously have been reading up, you're well-informed individual, as you do a lot of traveling and a lot of reading, so this is, the literature is already beginning to build, isn't yeah. it? 
we've we've had this literature for quite some time in in, in terms of the dry mouth effects and 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 so on of 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 marijuana or smoking in general um is teeth in one day dr ron the same as all on four not quite, although they pertain to the same principles of surgery and prosthetics. The, okay. The teeth in a day, you can have an all-on-four, but delivered over a longer period of time. And uh, maybe where the teeth are not delivered on the very same day you put the implants in, but teeth in one day refers to the concept of putting one or more implants in and putting some teeth on them immediately on the, after placing the implants. So okay. The same day you leave the office after having placed the implant, you now have teeth on the implants. Okay, uh, and this is the way it's done now, isn't it? Not necessarily. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a lot of dentists out who don't believe in this concept. And uh, what we found when it comes to putting four to five implants in an upper jaw, for example, uh, we find that the delayed placement of teeth actually has a deleterious effect on the gum tissue and the bone around the implant. So we actually get a better result by putting teeth on the very same day as we put the implants in the mouth. And this is what Marianne was wondering about when she called in from White Rock about how all of this works and, and how it gets done. But the point is, the more you can do at once, A, the, the, has, the faster the healing process is going to take. And, and, and it just seems to simplify the operation, Dr. Edder, uh, the idea being to accomplish as much as possible from the get-go, right? Yeah. And uh, one thing Dr. Zokol touched upon is the when when you have teeth put on that first day of the procedure it acts as it acts in a lot of different ways to actually improve the results of that procedure whether it be post op and after the procedure the sensitivity or the discomfort that's all significantly reduced because of having that sort of band-aid if you want to think of it in that sense that's there to stop a denture or stop food from getting close to the surgical site Interesting stuff. BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers found on the web at bcperio.ca. And remember, BC Perio, P-E-R-I-O. So bcperio.ca. If you put in bcperio.com, you get some guy in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Not much help at all. So remember that. bcperio.ca. Offices on Johnson Street in Coquitlam and in Vancouver at 777 West Broadway. All of the information, all of the contact points, Book your consultation today. All you do is click on that little button right there, Dr. Ron, and you're in to see uh, you or one of your colleagues at BC Perry. Absolutely. Thanks, gentlemen. Good to see you both after an absence. Uh, good to have you back, and we'll catch up to you again in a few weeks. It's been a pleasure, Thank Sterling. Thank you very much, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers for another very informative visit. And thanks for your calls, too. Next week, John Carlson will be back with a real estate update for Metro Vancouver and lots more on the 1% Realty Story. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, has the story of a BC man who was kicked off a plane for falling asleep. Thanks, Sterling. If you're a regular listener to Vancouver Consumer, you'll recognize the voice in this story. Stephen Bennett is a plumber with Mid-City Plumbers and has been on Vancouver Consumer numerous times. Stephen recently suffered a stroke and was advised by his doctor to take a vacation to Cuba. Stephen flew from Vancouver to Toronto and did not sleep on the plane. 
However, before boarding the flight from Toronto to Cuba, he took a sleeping pill. Stephen says he fell asleep in his wife's lap, and a flight attendant, believing he was experiencing a medical emergency, asked that he be removed from the plane. Stephen says he was checked out by nurses and paramedics and was deemed to be okay. And the reason why I think it happened, because this stewardess became more educated than nurses at that point. Mm. Then she became more educated than the paramedics. In a statement, WestJet says, out of respect for the privacy of their guests, they rarely comment on individual situations, particularly in the case of medical events. However, we can speak in general terms. When our crews observe a guest who is exhibiting signs of not being fit to fly, we will, out of an abundance of caution and in adherence with Transport Canada's regulations, remove the guest from the flight. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. It's quite a story. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. We've just wrapped up Bike to Work Week here in Vancouver, and the police have some good news for cyclists. Bikes, bicycle thefts around Metro Vancouver are down and have dropped off by about 30% in the last three years, and it's mostly because more of us are registering our bikes with Project 529 an online registry that's now been around for, coincidentally, three years. The cops say it's likely over 5,000 bicycles have not been stolen over the last three years, and they're thrilled by the public response. When they started up Project 529, they were hoping to have 10,000 bicycles registered. So far... They've got 70,000 and counting. The online registry is shared by many police agencies, and Vancouver bicycles have been returned from places like Portland and San Francisco because of the registry. Project 529 is now going worldwide, too, with the help of the World Bank. If you haven't yet registered your bicycle, just go to project529.com to register for free or download the app. And finally, while most of us were dealing with that heavy rainfall this week, up top of our local mountains, Grouse, Cypress, and Seymour had their first big snowfalls of the season. Now, we told you last week, Whistler Blackcomb will open on November 22nd. We can't yet uh, nail down a specific day for the closer-to-home hills, but we can remind you, Grouse is closed for a couple of weeks. Until November 12th, there will be no sky ride access, and all mountain top facilities and activities will be closed as they transition to a winter setup. Mount Seymour staff are already grooming their runs, and Cypress is anxious to show off its new chipped passes that will open gates and make moving around easier. The grouse grind is also closing early these days at 2.30, and with no lifts available, you'll have to hike back down the BCMC trail. And then there's that landslide in the grouse parking lot last night. Staff still trying to figure out and dig out from that one. At least it happened during the closure. And that's our show for today. Produced by Ben Dooley, Andrew Ferreira has been driving the bus. We appreciate your feedback. And if you have any thoughts or ideas for our show, please send them along to sterling at cknw.com or tweet us at Van Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.